You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body IO FM with your hosts, AJ, that's me, and Alex Navarro. Hey, everyone. Hi, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I'm very excited about today's episode. Yes, me too. Uh, when I woke up this morning and went online, the first thing I saw in my newsfeed was MMA news, something about the Anderson Silva testing positive for steroids, so he couldn't. Uh, he's not going to be going into that big hyped up fight. And I was like, how interesting, because our guest today <laughs> is Jessica Philippus. Did I say that right? You can correct me if I'm wrong. It's whatever. Philippus, <laughs> Philippus. <laughs> whatever. It's fine. I, I knew I was going to screw it up. <laughs> and Jessica is a professional MMA fighter, and she's also a mom. So perfect guest for our audience. Jessica, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. No, thanks for having me, first of all, guys. This was a huge honor when Alex inboxed me. I was like, ah, this is so exciting. So thank you for having me. <laughs> it's um, our pleasure. Yeah, I I, uh, I fight professionally. I coach wrestling, uh, but for, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I have two kids. I have a 10-year-old and a, oh, God, she just turned three. Um, and I've been fighting since 2009, but I took a long layoff before, so this last fight I had, I had two and a half years since I had fought. So, um, it's been an interesting journey, but I wrestled in high school and college and there's nothing really after wrestling. So I got into fighting for fun and I ended up falling in love with that. And then here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. So I have to ask you, because I'm sure you get this question all the time. How does a young woman in high school get into wrestling? On a dare, obviously. Um, <laughs> that is clearly. so funny because that's actually how I got into it too. Was did you wrestle? I did wrestle in high school. I was in the, the 106s. What school did you go to? Because we have some common friends that were guys that were on my team. I'm like, how do I? <laughs> I was back. This was back in California, uh, San Rafael yeah, and I Nevada up, High. I grew up. I went to Los Lomas. I grew up in Walnut oh, Creek. Funny. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize you were from out there. What a small world. Yeah, I had to come out here to the awful snowy Midwest <laughs> for college. Gotcha. So to wrestle in college. So yeah, that's so funny. Yay. <laughs> I know That's I wish pretty I know watching you you know especially coaching the girls and we'll obviously touch upon that but I every time I see posts with your the wrestling chicks I, I always think back like man I wish we had that back then because I mean I'm sure I want to hear your story about what your experience was like but uh it was a it was difficult being a girl wrestler very, very much so so why don't you tell very us a little much. bit about <laughs> how that dare went <laughs> Um, well, I was not an athlete. I'll just be very clear. I am not. Um, so for all those women listening who are like, oh, you know, you're athletic. No, I'm one of those very feminine, girly, um, bodied 
females. Like nothing comes easy to me. So it wasn't that I had brothers that wrestled or anything like that. It was just that I was a shithead and somebody dared me (laughs) and I went to the meeting and they were all, you know, stuck their nose up at me. Ew, girls don't belong here. Ew, I don't Mm -hmm. want you here. And, um, you know, even the coach was like, you're terrible. Why are you here? (laughs) I don't want you here, but I can't legally say you can't be here. So if you can hang, you can stay. And I got the crap beat out of me like Mm -hmm. that, that next month and a half or so, like the crap beat out of me. And, um, I, I stayed though. And I kept, and I lost, I was terrible. I was like a really awful athlete. I tell you, but I, um, I won finally towards the end of the season because I accidentally got punched in the nose and uh-huh. I started crying. Like I got a bloody nose, first bloody nose ever, never been hit before, you know? <laughs> and I start crying like a girl and my JV coach, he's like, he was giggling and he's like, shoves a tampon up my nose. Are oh you going to let him get away with that? And I was <laughs> like, no. And he's like, well, go do something about that. And I go out there and I just like head and armed this kid done in a couple seconds and he's like is that all we had to do to get you to win like why'd you have to wait so long (laughs) that's a great story yeah it's a good visual too yes yeah it was was a good time a good memory but I was terrible and that's what I like to tell kids and my son and um you know the girls I coach is that you don't have to be a great athlete you just Mm -hmm. have to have the will to want to try hard and be your best. And, um, it just, that feeling of winning is that one time was enough for me to finish the season and say, Hey coach, what is it I need to do to get better? And I mean, that was the first time actually I had talked to him all season cause I was so scared of him. And then uh, I started doing freestyle wrestling. And so oh, I wrestled year fun. round and I did freestyle and a little bit of Greco, um, Bay area, California, you're fortunate to have a hotbed for the, for the Olympic style wrestling. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, yeah, that definitely set me, set me apart. That helped me beat boys. I was never strong. Like I said, I was like a little, all I had done before was ballet. You know, I was just this girly (laughs) little thing. I wasn't going to ever out muscle a boy, but I could be faster than them and uh, smarter than them and, um, out (laughs) out technique them. And so that's one thing I, you know, tell the girls now is like, use your booty for good things. Okay. Not twerking. Let's use it for launching people because that is what it's there for. You know, we're blessed with these bigger than boys hips and a little bit more curvy. Well, you can use those to your advantage. Even at 103 pounds, I would throw boys all the time just because I learned how to use my body in the right way and use my hips. So that's a great message. That's yeah. Yeah. No twerking. Exactly. (laughs) So no twerking zone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's really interesting. I think, you know, when you're talking about getting punched in the nose and that was the first time you ever hit and, you know, had a bloody nose, did that spark something for you, like a feeling you never had before? Did that kind of help you tap into something that was new? Because uh, I know I've been there kind of with sports myself, not with uh, combat sports, but sometimes you discover something uh, when something negative happens that you've never experienced before, and then it just uh, empowers you moving forward. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, with even the stuff like that you do, I think that it's that next level adrenaline 
you know, it, it's one thing to go out there and compete. I had done it a million times, not a million, but I had done it plenty before, you know, and it was going just like any other match. And then that one thing, you're just like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, um, I, there's something like just primal inside of you, like survival mode. So I was just in athlete competing mode to survival mode. And that's honestly still what I hate about having to fight and compete against girls is bitches be crazy. I will say that <laughs> one time and a million times is I would rather compete against a, a boy any day. A man, I train with men mostly, but girls, I have bit my boob, have like rape choked me, have pulled my hair. Like girls are out for blood. They're always, mm -hmm. you know, they there's just something different about when you turn on that switch on a female versus <laughs> guys are just competitive athletes. Girls are out for blood. So yeah, I, I smelled blood, you know, and then I was like, Ugh, how dare you and turned it on and smashed it. So yeah, there was some weird <laughs> switch that flipped. <laughs> it's so true. Like even when I go watch my husband play soccer and the guys play and then the girls come on after where all those guys are getting changed, it's like total brawl mode out there. I'm like, whoa, what the heck just happened? <laughs> it's just yeah. such a contrast between the, the men's game and the women's game. It always makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, earlier that you are a pro fighter. Do you want to just educate our audience a little bit what the difference is between being a pro and amateur fighter and you know, if there is any difference in the fight regulations? Because that's something I actually like to know too. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I was eight and one as an amateur fighter. Amateur fighter is just really a place to <clears throat> learn. It's like JV versus varsity. So amateur wise, um, I did all I could do there at the time when I started women's MMA is not, or was not where it is now. So, um, I fought, all over the place in several different states at several different weight classes. My first fight, I think, was at like 120, and I weighed in with my clothes on at 115. Um, and then just just to be able to find a fight because I had been stood up like three times already. It was just girl fighters were so few and far between. And then I fought at like 112, 110, 105, 108. I fought all over the place um, just to get fights at those sort of lower weight classes and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a place to sort of learn. You know, you do learn every fight, I feel like, is a small journey in and of itself. And um, it's so funny because, like, I remember thinking I knew what the heck I was doing and that I was, like, good back when I was an amateur and how much I've evolved now just with, like, my nutrition and and training and all that, um, but striking especially because obviously I was terrible at that as a wrestler. I hated it. I was really uncomfortable. I I honestly didn't even. This is really embarrassing, but <laughs> I didn't train striking until <laughs> until my pro debut. Oh no <laughs> like, way! <laughs> yeah, that's that's really embarrassing. Like, but that's kind of awesome at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's it was it's pretty embarrassing. I, oh, I try not to divulge that too often. But I mean, I knew like a one, two, three, you know, or just a one, two, one, two, which is just like a jab and a straight. Like I knew that. 
and I knew uh, most of my fights I would just like if I knew the other person was good at striking I literally would bum rush them like the bell would ring and I would sprint across the cage and punch double them or get them up against the cage like just like nope we're not doing that but I am gonna wrestle the shit out of you so <laughs> get him to the ground um, yeah like that's how I won most of my fights and then um with, I got asked to be part of the first Invicta. Um, I had just had the baby, actually. And they said, hey, do you want to be... It, Invicta is an all-women's promotion that they were starting. And I was like, yeah, I want to be part of that. And it was only four months after baby. So um, I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like, I can do anything. I can do this. <laughs> and so I was going to go pro in April of 2012. Had the baby... <laughs> end of January, 2012. And, uh, that did not pan out so well. I tried really hard to get my weight down and I couldn't get below like 125. And so I just called him and I was like two and a half, three weeks out. I just said, Hey, look, I don't want to be disrespectful to you guys or my opponent. Um, there's no way I'm 20 pounds over right now. There's just no way. So I gave my spot to somebody else. Um, and then Shortly after that, I got asked on pretty short notice, like, hey, do you want to have one more amateur fight for a title? I was like, sure. All right, let's do this. I think it was 10 days notice. So I fought at 120. Wow. So I got my weight down a little bit there. But um, prior to that, I had to go pro because I ran out of people to fight amateur wise. Like I was ranked number one at 105 in the amateur circuit for like a year and a half, two years. Like I kept that ranking throughout the whole time I was pregnant and after. So, I mean, like nobody could, not that I fought, but nobody could touch my record. Like I was seven and one at that time and nobody could catch up to that. So um, there was just nobody, you know, once you get good, people are like, oh, I don't want to fight her. Oh, she wrestled <laughs> in college. Oh, this, oh, that. So, <laughs> so you have to go pro. But mm -hmm. the benefit of pro is that you get paid money for getting punched in the face. So <laughs> which is a good thing yeah <laughs> otherwise you're like why am i doing this <laughs> right you'd have to really like it yes yeah <laughs> yeah i don't like getting punched in the face <laughs> so i mean fighting and trying to make weight after having a baby and all these things sound like tremendous amount of stress to me and I know that you, um, I mean, this is something that you've really turned around in the last little while and focused a little bit more on nutrition and you were able to come into your most recent fight um, that you won uh, pretty easily. And I think you made weight without a problem. Uh, sounded like from what I read that it was like kind of a walk in the park for you. But do you want to tell us a little bit what you've changed and what you've been doing to really, um, you know, with on the nutrition side of things? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, let me just also preface this with the fact that I have an exercise science degree and I feel like <laughs> I should know better than to do some of the things that I've done. Um, so this isn't from an uneducated standpoint that I missed weight. I, when I did make my pro debut, I missed weight by 0.6 of a pound. That's so um, frustrating. It, it is very frustrating. <laughs> In that I was the only one who did not make weight out of the whole bunch and that I was a wrestler who didn't make weight and I had previously used to talk shit about anybody who missed weight who was a wrestler, you know. Right. So um, that was a huge 
motivating factor for me this time around and what contributed to, to my long layoff. So, so with that, I, um, I just, I wanted this time to be easy and I wanted it to be done better. I had, I used to probably starve myself a lot more than you should have. Um, I always felt like I was cutting weight. You know, I always felt deprived and just starving myself of nutrients and, um, probably not drinking enough water and just all bad, all bad. So in, let me see, last, when did I interview Kiefer? I think like last March is when I read Carb Night or I'd heard about Carb Night. And so I read it, interviewed him like a week after I read the book. So I really (laughs) didn't even know a whole lot, but I, being from an exercise science background, I love the idea of science. You know, I'm not about bro science or, you know, what's hip on the street right now. Like any of the fad diets, they just drive me bananas. But when somebody speaks science to me, I'm like, yes, yes. So I got really interested in um, carb night and carb backloading. And at that time, I was extremely overweight. Um, I was about 130 pounds. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot to most people, but when you're the size of a 12-year-old boy, that's pretty darn heavy. (laughs) So I was like 30% fat, 130 pounds, um, way far above 105 weight class. And uh, what I really wanted to do, though, was be able to make like 115 so I could go to the Ultimate Fighter tryouts. And that was even a far-off thing. And um, so I played around a little bit with Carb Night. I don't think that was a really good fit for for me and my schedule. I think I was training probably too much for carb night or definitely way too much. So uh, bought carb backloading, read that, and I made that work. And it's while it's written for, I think men tend to have more more luck with it and um, and just lifting. I had to alter it just a little bit for the kind of training I did and the frequency of it. And, um, but it, like you said, it was the absolute like easiest weight cut ever. Uh, I did have a different strength and conditioning programming too. I, in like my, the year before I fought, I did powerlifting for like a year. So that contributed, I think, to definitely putting muscle on, but then, um, I got a, strength and conditioning coach who's a a coach for a D1 wrestling college and he had never done fighters before but he's a friend of mine and I was like dude I need some help I think I just need some advice and he just ended up doing my whole program so shout out to him for helping me and talking sense into me with um working in rest days and whatever but mm. between timing carbs and lift and scheduling lifting with practices and um not doing both on the same day like an idiot (laughs) i absolute hands down easiest weight cut ever i've had three friends who fight 105s who are like i don't know what the hell you did but i want it like i want to know everything about it (laughs) so and they probably think it's like some like crazy complicated formula where you're like no it's actually really easy (laughs) yes yes and one of my friends she's 
she's like, so I have to not be a control freak. And I was like, yeah, dude, you got to let go. Just let it go. Mm. Just don't be a control freak. We're not counting calories. Cause she was like, so I don't have to enter everything in my fitness pal. And I was like, no, here's the thing that stresses me out. I'm trying to reduce stress. It, and that was the other thing is like when you cut weight, you're normally super stressed out about everything. Did I eat the right thing? Did I do the right lift? Did I, am I doing the right thing for my body? Am I eating this at the right time? And not really knowing, like I knew what I needed to eat. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really ever look at a nutrition fact label to count calories or, you know, fat or whatever. Like I knew what I needed to eat at these times and I just ate within those specifications like all right a handful of this I'm good to go whatever Mm -hmm. and how would you say you know when you mentioned your coach when you said hey I just need some advice with my training do you think uh like in general you scaled things back uh compared to what you would have prescribed for yourself or yeah 110 percent that's always the case I'm always I'm always telling myself little bit less, little bit less. Cause I know like my body is like, Oh, you got half an hour downtime. You could go do some speed pulls. You could like put in a dynamic effort day, like <laughs> got nothing else to do right now. And I'm like, how about you just sit on your ass for half an hour? And like, this happens. I've been preaching this to people for years now, but it is still something that I have to tell myself every day. It's really um, hard. It's- if it's something that you're used to doing and you know, we all have that little voice in the back of our head that says, you know, more is better. Mm-hmm. Or you should be doing more. Why aren't you doing more if you can? Yes. I, I mean, I think that's part of what comes along with being an elite athlete, though, is, well, what is my opponent doing? Is she doing this while I'm right. sitting on my ass? Like, all right, I better go run or whatever, you know. Oh, P.S. That's the other thing. I did that whole weight cut with no running. You're running. I was going to ask you that because I watched the video, your behind the scenes prep video. <laughs> And I, yeah. I, I, I love the part where you guys were running in the hall of the hotel and you're like, this is the only running I've done. <laughs> I thought that was yeah, great. I was like, <laughs> and you're like, but it doesn't really me. count as running because you're kind of jogging. <laughs> yeah, we were just jogging to get a sweat going. So I feel like Kiefer would be really proud of the fact that there was zero running happening. Running is, if it's your sport, then great, whatever. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I hate running. I have always hated running. I <laughs> No, and I'm getting too old to be doing that shit. It hurts my knees. It hurts mm-hmm. my back. It hurts my hips. I'm 31. You know, I just yeah. all about conserving my joints at this point, you know, and <clears throat> that was uh, one of the things why I like this dude was because I saw him speak at a seminar and I, I just flat out asked him. We were at a wrestling coaching seminar and I was like, do, do you have your guys run? And he was like, no, why would I do that? Like, Hmm. when do you ever do anything low intensity, steady state in wrestling? When are you ever in that position wrestling? It's just never. Why would you run? There's no crossover. Yeah. Zero. It's like everything I have them do is going to correlate over somehow to some movement in wrestling. He's like, now if their coach, who is one of the, one of the world's greatest wrestlers, if their coach wants to do that to punish them or something, I'm not going to argue with him. But do I have it do it to make them a better athlete? Not ever. That's great. So if That's... it's 
good enough for them. Like, why wouldn't I, you know, so I laugh when I see other fighters who are like, oh, I went on a six mile run. I'm like, sucks for you. <laughs> yep, just beating themselves down. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. I wish they yeah. had that men- that that knowledge and mentality back way back when, when they made us do all that running because it was I know, the worst but- part. It, it was. And the sad thing is, though, is um, I felt really bad because I actually raised my hand and asked that question about running. And he answered it, honestly. And he pissed off probably three quarters of the coaches there. I bet. Like, very angry. I mean, the older ones, especially. But, like, literally, they stood up the next morning before the session started and was like, I will just have you know, that is forever a part of this sport. <laughs> like went off on these rants about it and I was like all right change is apparently not good with you guys set in their ways I get it yep. yeah yeah so I don't know I don't make my girls run but we do like yesterday we did a, a conditioning and cardio circuit you know I'll, I'll get their lungs burnt out and get them trained that way but I'm never gonna make my girls run never so when you say make your girls run, um, maybe just tell the audience a little bit about what you do because you actually really, you know, give back to your community and, and young women that want to get into MMA and wrestling. So tell us a little bit about Wrestler Chick and what that's all about. Yeah. I um, So WrestlerChick.com is my website and brand. Um, it's like just got relaunched, but it's a place for all things girls wrestling. But here locally, I started a um, actually the one of the first in this area, an all girls wrestling team, and it was just something I had always wanted to do, but was always afraid of failing at. You know how embarrassing would it be to be all excited and rallied up about this and get like two girls to come out? So I was always afraid of that failure and. I don't know. I get maybe it's me getting older, but this year I was like, I'm going for it. I'm doing it. If it fails, whatever. I'm doing this. And I got 10 girls right off the bat, right, right away. So um, that was enough for me to form a little team. All I did was send a flyer out to a local school. Mind you, I'm in a small town of like, I don't know, 10,000 people. We're not talking a metropolitan city here. So, um, it's been really successful. We are up to like 14 or 16 girls now, and they range from, oh, I think my youngest is like seven or eight, seven, all the way up to 16 right now. So, um, that's so exciting. I don't know. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> it's really exciting. Cool. I, yeah, I think we we I didn't think it was going to be this big, so I just lumped them all together. You know, I I really didn't think I would have this kind of success. But when freestyle season starts in March, I'm going to separate them out with little girls and big girls, big girls like middle school and up, just because they can um, they can process so much more. I don't have to babysit so much mm-hmm. with the big girls. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So is uh, is nutrition something that you cover with these girls? Because I'm sure, like when you grew up, the nutrition was probably not even discussed at all at any of your <laughs> any in any of your training, or was it? Or you know, was it just something that was just a big void? Uh, Alex, did anyone ever discuss <laughs> cutting weight with you? No. If if there was discussion of it, it didn't usually involve food. It usually involved. <laughs> You know, running Water. around in layers and layers of clothes. And I remember uh, I was always underweight, so I never had to worry about that. But I remember, I mean, really bad things, you know, on, on our way to tournaments and blasting the heat in the car and spitting in cups. I mean, it was just nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, food was never, men- never mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no, no food was ever mentioned. Or you did whatever the older guys or girls mm-hmm. did. You know, you did like cabbage soup diet yep. or the water diet yep. or whatever. It was awful. No, so I for sure make a point to um, talk about it with the girls. Like we had one time where we almost the whole practice just talked about nutrition, you know, towards the beginning because – we were a couple of practices in and they were sore from stuff we did like three days prior. And I'm like, you shouldn't still be sore from that. Right. So obviously I know you're not eating well, um, like sore. They can't walk, you know, my legs are so sore. And I'm like, yeah, there is some like learning curve to wrestling and being down in a stance and doing the crazy things we do, but you shouldn't be sore that long after. Right. So, um, you know, it's like, are you guys eating protein? When are you eating it? When are we eating carbs? And, we go through it still, and I, like, spot check them, you know, on random days. I'm like, what did you have before you came to practice? What did you have last night? You know, like, and then I just, I, I even ran them through, because I was in fight camp at the time, so they were like, well, what do you eat, coach? And I ran them through what I eat on a sample day and gave them ideas. So totally, 100%, that is part of, I guess, what I feel like I can contribute to the world and our youth and future athletes is educating them. You know, on eating right, taking care of yourself, being a good, well-rounded athlete. Don't starve yourself. And I feel like that's really super important with little girls and teenage girls who are worried about body issues and whatnot is starving isn't going to get you skinny, but eating a lot of good food at the right times will get you skinny and buff. So... It's yeah, it's really so important that. that you're doing that because I mean I, I have a lot of friends and family that are teachers and you know something that they say all the time about these students is that like they don't eat all day long and then you know yeah. whenever they have like you know in between periods they might like crack open a bag of chips or whatever and that's what they eat all day long and this stuff just blows my mind that it's not part of the regular uh, like curriculum for education. Um, I mean, I think they do the basic food pyramid stuff, but I mean, that's in my eyes just, <laughs> yeah, not even like, yeah, Almost we're not as bad as nothing. Anything. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just see that, you know, it's really great. And that's where I think I've seen a lot of young adults, if they're involved in a sport, then they become interested in their nutrition. It's yes. like the motivating factor. And that's where I, you know, I'm just always trying to tell parents and I'm maybe you know I know I sound like a hypocrite because I don't have kids of my own and I know it's difficult but it's like if you can get your children involved and passionate about a sport and it doesn't need to be 10 sports we don't need to burn them out by the age of 12 but 
just get them passionate about something so that they realize that if they don't fuel their body properly, they can't perform at what they want to do. That is going to pique their curiosity about good nutrition from a very young age. And I think we're just doing them a big favor. So I'm super happy to hear about what you're doing and just like just putting that into these young girls' heads that, you know, just fasting all day or whatever they want to do is not going to give them the performance that they want to do what they love to do mm-hmm. now and i spot check them too i'm like after i'm like what did you eat you know and what'd you eat after practice last time like oh i went home and i ate right away my mom had chicken and pasta i was like perfect how do you feel today i feel like a new person like i can go to practice like first day and i was like good that's what we're shooting for that is why you eat and that sticks with them you know and then they hear the other girls talking about it i'm like that is what I want to see more of is mm-hmm. them, them saying how they feel and them saying how it works for them. Right. And teaching them how to pay attention to those things at such a young age is going to be so helpful for them down the line. I mean, whether they continue to be active in the sport or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, by you calling them out and spot checking them and then getting those answers, like telling, having them say them out loud, um, yeah, you're programming them, but you're teaching them to be aware of their own bodies. And that's something that Alex and I really want to focus on with this podcast is just teaching women how to be aware. And, you know, maybe Jessica, you can, you know, your whole approach for prepping for this last fight, um, using carb night and carb backloading, um, it's a really like, I want to say like a real organic approach where it's just like, it sounds like you just really went with how your body felt and listened to it. So do you like have any tips that you'd like to say to like maybe women who are in your sport who are trying to cycle their carbs appropriately? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, the only tweak I had to make to um, carb backloading was I I found myself (laughs) getting tapped out really easily. having no carbs going into practice. So having just like fats and protein going into it, I noticed that I would like start seeing that tunnel really quick. And Mm -hmm. I had never, I've knock on wood, I've never passed out from a submission before, but the only times I've come really close are when I was doing like zero carb before practice. So that's the only um, tweak I had to make, but it was literally like one little handful of goldfish crackers or Cheez-Its or it was even Doritos sometimes. It was whatever was handy in the car mm-hmm. on my way to practice. And that that saved me. That felt a lot better. But um, other than that, I really just stuck with carb backloading. You know, I ate <clears throat> eggs and butter or coconut oil for breakfast. I had coffee with heavy cream in it um, for breakfast. Like, that. these are all my favorite things. I always <laughs> felt like... I just felt so decadent. You know, it wasn't egg whites and fat-free cheese with salsa every morning and oatmeal. Like, that used to be my fight camp. Like, oatmeal and egg whites. What? Uh. Yeah. That's a terrible life. But Uh. I I will tell you what. I had The day of weigh-ins, I had an egg fried in butter. It was luxurious. That's great. I hadn't had water since the night before, but I was like, damn it, Rob, I need an egg. (laughs) <laughs> like, give me an egg. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened. But have I ever eaten the day of weigh-ins before? No. I was starving, like, 30 hours out Wow. Oh, wow. last time. Yeah, wow. I, it was – I shut off food and water. 
or water at 24 hours and food at about 32 hours. So wow. I was literally starving and looked and felt like shit. And a paramedic had to come give me an IV after the oh last time I cut weight. Oh, and that's when I that's... missed weight. So I mean, so the you fact still went that through I, all like, that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to wait for the trauma to wear off. But the fact that I like rolled into weigh-ins in a good mood with my hair done, with makeup on, happy <laughs> as could be. Like I was so pumped the day of weigh-ins. I didn't do much. All I did was run. I mean, I ate my egg. I had like two and a half pounds to cut. I ran a little bit, had my friend lather me up with some sweet sweat, ran, sweat, sat in the shower sauna, did an Epsom salt bath. And I was on weight. I didn't have to do a whole heck of a lot because I was fed and hydrated leading right up to that. Like there was no extended period of time. So, so that is the gift I'm trying to give wrestler girls and fighter girls is that if you eat right that whole time you're training, if you fuel your body appropriately, there's, there shouldn't ever be a starvation right. time frame. And that's, I think, what, you know, there's a lot of probably damage that <clears throat> we do to our body by cutting weight the wrong way. And um, I had just never felt more like an athlete that in that time frame going into it. You know, I've never had shoulders like this or abs like this. or <laughs> I've never felt this strong. And everyone's like, what would you do for your abs? I didn't do anything for my abs actually <laughs> this is a you result of wait lifting. a second you didn't do 50 no. crunches every night before you went to bed negatory no i didn't i unbelievable i like be all over social media what'd you do for your abs i have to know and i'm like i lifted heavy shit over and over what <laughs> i don't i didn't run i didn't do crunches i didn't do any of that like conventional stuff that you guys would normally think i did not do any of that and i feel like that is a gift that i want to give women is don't don't do that don't be cardio queens don't be doing sit-ups and crunches like just listen to your body and feed it and please don't starve yourself because mm -hmm. I tried that too and that did not work. So, And I like and, what you, know, you said really... earlier, oh, sorry, about no. letting go, of, like not being so controlling over the food and you're picky. Just yeah. Like yes. Letting it be what it, it was, is. Yeah. It was a hard thing to do, but, um, and I'm not even like a, detail-oriented control freak like my friend I just had to con like literally yesterday had to convince her she's like I really want your arms I said okay you really gotta stop being a control freak then like here's what to eat and when to eat it let it go just let <laughs> it go because I promise you that the stress from tracking your macros and worrying about if you got all this in and that in it it adds up it adds up between the stress of your husband annoying you, the baby crying, needing to feed the dog, you know, like all of that stuff adds up. I don't know how or when you can't measure it, but I promised you that the annoyance of having to track your stuff and feeling like you're not quite adequate that day or whatever, it adds up. So yeah. just it's reduce stress in your life. Like I, that was the other thing. I've never been so damn happy in my life either. <laughs> That's cool. You know, I mean, it, Eating fats 
and protein makes you really happy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then whatever carbs you want at the appropriate times. And hey, it's it's a beautiful balance. And I think you've mentioned so many things that are so important. You know, one of the things that stood out for me too uh, when you were speaking there is about who you are starving yourself, you know, the days prior going into a performance uh, sport yeah. competition. And it's just so backwards that, you know, that shouldn't even be acceptable, but that is the norm. And you've, you know, you've broken through that norm. And that's, you know, a really, really strong message that I think is important because that's always just been so, you know, asinine to me. I'm like, why should you need to starve and your performance suffer when you need to be in peak performance that day or the next day? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and yeah. you know, me to me, that's just an indication that the preparation is not right to begin with. So, um, you know, right. you've done a really amazing job there, just, you know, expressing how, you know, it doesn't have to be torture. And sorry, Alex, what were you just going to say there? Oh, just basically the same thing, that it doesn't have to be torture, that you should, right. you know, if that's, if showing up or, or leading up to the weigh-in or, you know, whatever you need to do right before the event, if you're trying to bust out a bunch of stuff to make up for what perhaps you didn't do correctly before, that should be a sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the other amazing thing that I really want to point out uh, that you were talking about was that you've had all these roadblocks that, you know, some people might just feel like super defeated. I'm sure at the time you did feel defeated, defeated when you missed weigh in by like such a small margin and all those things. But your attitude and the way that you speak about it is so positive and just so enlightening that you're just like, yeah, and it sucked, and I didn't make way in, and I, you know, and I had to move on, and it just inspired me to learn and do things right the next way. And to me, that's like one of the strongest messages that I'm picking up is, you know, it's like, yeah, you know what, this stuff happens, but we've got to learn from our mistakes, have a positive attitude, not let them stress us out even more, and just move forward. And, you know, just listening to you speak, it's helping motivate me, you know, some of my little roadblocks that come up all the time. And, and you know, that attitude is so important. So I want to thank you so much for sharing those stories and especially the ones when things don't go as planned because those are as equally as important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even with, even with small things like dieting, like I so badly wanted carb night to work for me and I so heavily believed in it and it just wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. And my friend <clears throat> was like, Jessica, I know, I know the science is all there and I know this and that, but like, maybe it's just not for you. And I'm like, I refuse to believe that <laughs> it's science, you know? And then she's like, but maybe it's just not for your, what you're doing. And I had to let go of that. I, I really had to let go and just be okay with like, that was a failure that I was going to move on from, but I was going to find what worked. And, you know, thank God I was so crazy carb night because my sister has lost a ton of weight on it and she's um, doing it right now. And she's been doing it for a few months now, no. loves it, super active in the Facebook group. Um, but so, I mean, everything happens for a reason, right? Carb night failed for me, but carb backloading worked for me. So I don't know. I feel like I've touched a few lives, you know, so everything totally does happen for a reason. And the other, I forgot one more thing about the stress relieving factor of carb backloading is that I never felt, you know, if I wanted something sweet, which is always like my downfall. All right, cool. You can have that after you bust your ass in your workout, you know, like to me, I earned it and 
it kept my sanity. And, um, you know, I tell girls, I'm like, dude, I ate a Reese's cup like last week. Like, I, you know, <laughs> shit that's unheard of for normal dieting and whatever. I'm like, I had one. I didn't go crazy overboard. That's the thing with being little is you just got to limit it. But I still had it. And it saved my sanity for that moment in time. But I earned it and it was at the right time and it served a purpose for mm-hmm. the gains, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it worked to your advantage, definitely. Yeah. So that, awesome. I think, that helps with my stress levels a lot too because normally you're just really angry. You're ha- yeah, angry. you're hangry. You're just, you just want to Yeah. <laughs> and you're just, ha- and mind you, I did this through Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. <laughs> oh my goodness. Awesome what time. Was I- <laughs> yeah. I was like, but- what an idiot. But you can tell in all your pictures that you posted, like going into weigh and everything, you just have this awesome smile on your face. So clearly everything was working out just perfectly. Yeah. 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 So thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you to you guys and um, Kiefer for sure. But yeah, I follow you on Pinterest, Alex. So I, that's where I got a lot of my ideas from. Oh, good. Food. For meals. Yeah. However you can make yeah. things more fun and exciting and just like you said you get to look forward to it then and it's like a reward even if there aren't carbs involved you can still completely enjoy any meal that you have I mean especially when it's fat you can't really go wrong with that (laughs) you cannot my poor poor husband is cutting weight this week for power like a big deal powerlifting meet that we're going to this weekend and um so he's like totally well he's I think we have him under like 25 carbs or so Maybe even less than that. Just because he's got so much weight to lose. But when a 330-pound dude cuts out carbs for a week, like, we get 20 pounds off him. No problem. But he's like, I'm really enjoying this. You know, he's like, this is the life. I'm like, yeah, it is. You and your freaking salami. (laughs) That's great. That's great. That's hilarious. That's great. Well, that was, I think, a a funny note to end this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Picturing Rob with a big uh, stack of salami. Yeah, I can just picture him sitting there (laughs) eating pepperoni sticks and salami, living the life, dropping 20 pounds in a week. (laughs) I know. He's, like, posting about it, and he's like, yep, weight cut week, and everyone's like, what? Like, he had low-carb yogurt and hemp hearts, and everyone's like, what are those? I'm like, get on my level, dude. Go find them. They're good. Oh, God, that's funny. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I think that I'm sure you've I'm sure you've motivated a lot of women out there and I can hear your daughter in the background there. So (laughs) no proof that you're a busy mom, a professional athlete. You totally got it going on. You got your head in the right place. You manage your stress well and it's uh, paying off big time. Right. So, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so that is the message we want to put out there for women. Yep. Um, and I really want to thank you again for coming on to our show, and um, also for your, you know, your support and everything, with the groups and following us, and and um, just motivating other women in general. Keep it up. Absolutely, absolutely. Keep it up. It's a it's a good group of people too. That's the other thing. Is there's not there's not a lot of meanness in the carb bag loading and carb night community like everybody's so friendly yeah we just want to help each other yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely awesome well do you want to let us know where people can find you we'll we'll be providing 
links to all of your information once the podcast is released, but you want to let everyone know where they can find you or look you up? Yeah, I have a, a fan page on Facebook. Um, it's just, you can just search Jess Philippus and then um, Instagram is at Jess Philippus and Twitter is at Jess Philippus. And I'd say Twitter is probably the most interesting one of the three to follow because <laughs> I tend to filter the other two and that one has zero filters. So there's F-bombs and lots of opinions on there. Um, <laughs> Fun. And lots of random pictures. So <laughs> that's where I do all my dirty work. You know, somebody was like, oh, maybe girls are all calling you out now because you're over there with your abs and your delicious Mickey Mouse cookies. And I was like, oh, this Oreo right here? And took a picture of it with my abs. <laughs> yeah, these right here. That's great. Cookie-filled abs. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I'm Twitter. looking at your profile shot right now, and it's full, like, <laughs> raging six-pack. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, No, awesome. thank you guys a lot. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was great. Well, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to uh, this episode of Her Body Eye OFM. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengle. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance. <laughs> <laughs>